0: Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and we are broadcasting as usual, folks, from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you are looking for a bank that's big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but they're small enough to deliver their services in a personal way, I think Renaissance has that magic combination. At least that's what I experienced from my own work with them and the clients I work with. So if that's what you're looking for, go to RenaissanceBank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. And guess what? When you call them, they actually answer their own phone. Imagine that antiquated piece of courtesy. (laughs) Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now one welcome back, Randy Hain. Randy is with Servium Partners. Randy, welcome back.
1: John, thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, great friend of our show. Let's talk about you and for those that don't know you, how you're serving folks out there in your uh, practice.
1: Thanks, John. First and foremost, I'm a husband and a father. I've got two adult sons, been married to Sandra for 29 years, Mm. and I am an executive coach and a leadership consultant, and I own a company called Servium Partners, Mm -hmm. and I work with the Fortune 5000 coaching senior leaders and their teams, and I'm a co-founder of another business called the Leadership Foundry, and we work with large groups of leaders for global companies and write books and try to serve the community as, as often as I can.
0: In a lot of different ways, and you we've had you on a couple times now, maybe this is the third time, to talk about some of your books, and we're here to talk about your latest one, mm-hmm. which is called <clears throat> Being Fully Present, True Stories of Epiphanies and Powerful Lessons from Everyday Life. Folks, I've had a chance to dip into this book, and it's really terrific, and I suggest you get it, but we're going to give you some reasons why as we have this discussion. This is really not a business book per se. Let's talk about that.
1: It's not. I am a business person in the book dealing with real life situations. And and I wrote the book through uh, the prism of stories, all these stories and things that have happened to me over the last 20 to 30 years, mm-hmm. often involving my faith and family. Mm-hmm. But definitely not a, but if you're looking for a book on leadership, but if you're looking for a book for how leaders deal with real issues and situations and how do you overcome adversity, I think the book is perfectly suited for that.
0: Well, it's a, I will say, having been through the book, it's a book that is a business book in the sense it's about a business person navigating the world and your faith in that world. Yes. Yeah. Because there is a specific business question I want to ask you here in just a little bit. But why did you go in this direction? What led you? this way.
1: What's funny, this book is actually an accidental book. I was working on a follow-up to my 2021 book, Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation, that comes out next spring. And over the summer, I was going through some of my old journals. I'm a prolific journal guy. Mm -hmm. I I journal every day, and I've got 24 journals that I've filled up over the last 20 years. And I often write down things that are going on in my life, things that have happened to me, uh, I'm a very reflective person, and uh, and I, as I get older, I get more like that. And I found that I had uh, dozens of stories of just life-changing moments, epiphanies, as it were, mm-hmm. often involving my faith, my family, dealing with my past workaholic tendencies. And I was going through the journals, and I said, I think there's more than enough for a book here. So what I did is I pulled out probably the, the my favorite 15 or 16 or 17 And then this year, I was really cognizant of writing down stories that were occurring to me in in real time. Mm -hmm. So uh, the book is 23 stories of all kinds of situations and scenarios where I'm dealing with things, but I didn't intend to write that book, which was actually, which made it more fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, really. So, and, and really what you're speaking to is the power of journaling too, right?
1: Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting down every day saying, dear diary, here's what's happening. Okay. But when I'm waiting for clients, if I'm uh, having coffee and, and I've got some spare time, even if I, I get up early in the morning, I always do, and uh, before I go to bed, I'll jot down things that really clicked with me that day, things that got my attention. It may just be a, an idea for a new blog post. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll sit down and write an entire blog post or chapter if I'm in the mood. Mm-hmm. So it's a very eclectic mix of content, but I just found that the act of writing it down cements it in my mind and it gives me something to look at. I admire people that can use uh, technology and all those great apps out there, but I find that people rarely go back and look at that. I always go back and review my journals.
0: Mm. Great point. So the book is called Being Fully Present, and that phrase, that idea is the umbrella for all these different stories. Mm -hmm. Talk about the whole concept of being fully present and why you think that's such an important umbrella for our way to look at the world today and live in it.
1: So I would say that we probably want to have a multidimensional definition. So one aspect, one definition of being fully present is I'm here with you now in this room. We're talking, I'm listening very clearly to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I'm asking you questions. You're asking me questions. We are present. You and I in this moment, great definition of being fully present. But I think there's another aspect where, and I do this in the book a lot, where we may think about a conversation or maybe it's just a situation. I I write about memories. I write about things that I remember from years ago. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I go back to those memories and I try to mine for gold. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the nuggets of wisdom, the things, because you you may say something to me today that doesn't click with me for two months. And Mm -hmm. I may see John said this and it really clicked. Mm -hmm. And I may explore that. I may try to, I may even write about it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's in the moment with people. Sometimes it's going back to memory. Sometimes I, uh, there's actually a fun chapter in the book where I have an encounter with my future self. And if I had not gotten off of a certain track, I would have gone into a place that would have been very negative for me and my family. Mm -hmm. And, And I wrote about that as a fable. I think being fully present is multidimensional and I hope people get that when they read the book. There's and there's this
0: concept called quality time that I've never quite picked up on, right? That we, we, we as if we can compartmentalize uh our presence with people and classify it in a certain way as quality time and that certainly that has some sort of specific definition to it mm-hmm.
1: that seems odd to me it's we have to have table stakes right have your phone turned off yeah if you really want to get the most out of a conversation try to be in a place where you're not distracted mm-hmm. some of my best conversations are walking in the woods with friends or my older son and we like to hike together mm-hmm. so try to be in a place where there is relative quiet definitely have your phone turned off don't be distracted don't be thinking also this is important about not what you want to say next, but actually absorbing what you hear. Mm-hmm. Take a minute to reflect on it, mm. and then comment. I think another great way to demonstrate, but also to, to really practice being fully present, is to take notes with people. I'll pull out a piece of paper and just jot down something someone says in front of me. Mm. I'm signaling to you, what you just said is important. Mm. But I also have notes later that I can refer to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the nature of these stories, are there They're yours. They're not anyone else's yet. They speak to wider truths and the way you write Randy, which I'm in awe of is that you it's very, it feels Mm one-to-one say more on that. And that is a deep compliment.
1: You're very kind. Thank you. I I think I learned that from my mother, Sandy who passed away 11 years ago, my mother, not a trained writer, but she wrote poems her entire life and if you'd read any of her work, you would feel like you were sitting in a room with Sandy Hain, and she would be talking about things that matter to her, faith, family, life, but it just always seemed so personal. And when I started writing, which was really only about 14 years ago, I think I've always been fairly well-read, mm-hmm. but I started writing about 14 years ago, I always made every effort to be authentic in the writing. I don't want you to ever read something for me and wonder, who's this guy? I want you to read it and say, gosh, I know Randy, and this sounds exactly like him. I want you to feel like you're having a cup of coffee mm-hmm. with me. That is just something that I've always been very clear about. I want you to experience what I really think, what I really feel. And this particular book we're talking about today is probably the most personal of any book I've written. I just put it all out there. This is who I am and what I think. And I want you to experience that when you turn the pages.
0: Yes, yeah, I'm laughing at smiling, folks, because as you say that, where you put it out there. One of the places you put it out there, just to name one, Mm -hmm. that made me smile is because in knowing you, I thought, this is not the Randy I know, (laughs) Sure, is your experience with the tour guide in Italy. And I was trying to, you talk about being frustrated. I was trying to think about what Randy Hain looks like frustrated because you never come (laughs) across that way when I'm with you.
1: I I am generally a very calm person. This is my tone of voice all the time. Right. Um, But now there was a story in the book. My we took my family to Italy this year as a graduation present for my younger son who just graduated from Stanford University. And we were in Florence. It's just, everything's an incredible sight, And we had been uh, out doing sightseeing things all day with our tour guide. And we were exhausted. Now, as I get older, I do get a little frustrated when I get tired. Mm -hmm. And I was tired at the end of the day. And -hmm. and the story is just about really, it was a God wink moment, but also a lesson in patience. Mm -hmm. Because we were ready to give up. And I was, we were all done. But something else happened in the chapter, and our tour guide was able to pull a rabbit out of a hat, and it turned out to be an amazing experience. I'll let you read it to to learn more, but yeah, I can get frustrated, but typically it just my lips purse and have a funny look in my eye. Okay. (laughs) That's the
0: extent of it. Thanks for that warning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but one of the things I took away from that chapter though, and we don't have to ruin it for everybody, but because I want you to read it folks, but is that there was a power of relationship out of that story, that a relationship sure. that you had set up, that you had created mm-hmm. and deepened along the way that really bailed out a difficult
1: moment. So just to give you a, some insight into that, we were in Florence, Italy, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And one of the things you have to see if you go to Florence, is the Duomo. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually the church at Santa Maria del Fiore. And the Duomo is this beautiful building. It's a gothic uh, masterpiece. It's an incredible building. And if you go to Florence, you have to go inside this church. So all day, well, we've been there for three days. And on this day, we were there. We were eager to get inside the Duomo. At the end of the day, our tour itinerary said we were going. And at the end of the day, we were with our tour guide, Patricia And we'd gotten to know her during the day. She was a lovely lady. We were just talking. She was fun. She was a college professor, very learned. She was a native Florentine. So at the end of the day, we were in the museum that's attached to the Duomo, seeing some wonderful works of art, seeing some amazing things. And it's getting closer and closer to the end of the day when the tours ended for the Duomo. And we had a private tour. We knew we could get in, but it was getting late. Mm -hmm. So I finally asked Patricia, when are we going to the Duomo? And she said, that's not part of your tour. And that's probably mm. when the pursed lips and the glare right. came out. And, and she said, let me call the the, the company. So she yeah. called the tour company and they spoke heatedly in Italian for a few minutes. And she hung up the phone and looked at me and my wife and my sons. And she said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Mm. You're Catholic. I'm Catholic. And I happen to know there's a very special mass today in the Duomo, that very few people will know about, only locals know about. It. We're celebrating the feast day of some of the famous bishops that in the city. Mm-hmm. And if we go right now, we can make it. Let's go to Mass. So we were excited. We ran across the square, and we got in to inside the Duomo. There were 30 people total in the wow. whole place at a side altar, and we had a chance to experience Mass in this beautiful church. And then she said, you're free to walk around and take pictures, do what you want. But this wonderful lady, this thoughtful lady that we'd gotten to know, to your point, mm-hmm. and built a relationship with, yep. had the foresight to see here's something we could do that's very special that they the family would not know about. So we had a chance to experience the Duomo, practice our faith inside the, this beautiful church, and it was just one of those amazing moments. But it was a great lesson in the virtue of patience.
0: Yeah, for sure. And my takeaway from the story, part of my takeaway from that story was she probably didn't do what the other person, the person on the other end of the line told her to do, right?
1: Yeah, she did
0: not. She, did she not. disobeyed orders probably, right?
1: Yeah. And, and it turned out at the end, we were right. Our itinerary did say it and there was a mix up, but it was okay because she handled it with grace. Right. She handled it with a deep concern for us and our enjoying our experience. And she also knew that we really wanted to see this church. It all worked out beautifully, but it's a great lesson on sometimes you just have to be patient and wait. Mm -hmm. And sometimes God or his agents will make something happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now you, one of your chapters is called the hectic pace of life. And it's really about, do I surrender to, to that hectic pace of life or do I create space? And you talked about your previous tendencies to be a workaholic Mm -hmm. and to spend a lot of time in business, in your business. And I want to ask you about those folks out there that, and there are a lot of them, that see their business as a mission. Mm -hmm. And they may see that it it may be explicit um, right there on their website or brochure, or it may be in their heart, but they see their business as a mission to serve. Mm Mm-hmm. And almost, in a way, a prayer. But you would say there's still a need to create space, is what I think I read there.
1: I would say that my business is a mission. And my mission statement is two words, serve others. Mm -hmm. So my coaching work, my consulting work, my marriage, my parenting, my community work, my writing is all oriented towards serving other people. Mm -hmm. But there's a challenge with that. So to this day, that is still my mission. But if you are constantly serving others, sometimes you're not taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we recognize while we're in the pursuit of the mission that we also take time to recharge our batteries. What's the old saying? If the plane's going down, you got to put the oxygen mask on your own face first. And I buy that. I believe that. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten more cognizant as I've gotten older of the need to recharge because if I don't watch it, I can have a tendency to be really focused on doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all what Randy wants to do. That's what I'm trying to get done. I've got this checklist of things to do. But sometimes I, and I've learned how to do this, how to pull back, invest time in just technology free walks. And I exercise every day at lunch and my prayer time in the morning, my family time. I've learned that I need those things to fill my cup. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot give to others from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. I think you can still have a sense of mission and absolutely do what you are called to do, but you better take care of yourself in the meantime.
0: Yeah, what you're talking about is sustainability, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, not in the environmental sense, but just, the, the, just sustaining yourself for the journey.
1: It's self-care. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to practice self-care. I think COVID taught us, Plenty about this that we need to do our best to take care of ourselves. And I think at the time it was probably very focused on mental health. Yeah. And I think to this day we still need to think about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, for all those that are listening that are out there hard charging, taking the world by storm, my hat's off to you. I hope to be with you in the trenches every day. Right. But I also know that, you know what, today I'm not sure I have the energy to give as much as I'd like. I better pull out for just a minute and just focus on clearing my head. Getting my energy back, taking care of my health. And you
0: talk about this, Randy, from, and I point this chapter out specifically because a big part of the book is you talking about your own journey as a workaholic Mm -hmm. and that you, your own struggles with that, what that led to. You mentioned the story earlier about where that would have led. Yes. If you hadn't changed direction. So, Talk two things on that. Just share your thoughts about walking back from the brink of that Mm -hmm. for those that need to hear that Mm -hmm. and how to do that. And then just the idea of how personal you are in sharing that in the book.
1: You know, I'm not sure when I first um, heard this or saw it as a meme on the internet, but there's a, I want you to picture a gravestone that says he had a great career. And think about that for a second. And ask yourself, do you really want your life to be, he had a great career? And I can tell you that um, when I got that message years ago, it's really served as a bit of a beacon for me to recognize that I don't want my life and my tombstone to read, he had a great career. I want it to be that he was a good husband, a good father, served his community, was a good friend, maybe made a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. But if all I've done at the end of my life is I've put money in the bank and I had great titles and that's it, I failed. So when I got that message, it always served as a course correction for me. And I strayed off that path many times where my work would consume me, and I'd get really focused on doing. Maybe the Lord has given me the ability to produce more than others, and I certainly tried to produce as much as I could. Mm -hmm. But I also recognized, and, and the book talks a lot about that journey, about things and people and situations that helped me get back on track. I'm not here today to tell you that I've completely figured it out, but I'm a lot better off than I was five years ago, 10 years ago, and 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And this fable you're referring to, I was a senior executive of a global restaurant company in my early 30s and had a great job, but I traveled nonstop and, and worked constantly. And I simply wrote a fable about what would have happened if I'd stayed there 10 more years, what would have happened to me, my life, and my family. And, and how I pulled back from the precipice and went a different direction. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of workaholics out there. I think you can never shed it. I still think I am one, but I know how to get myself back on track. I've got trusted people. My wife being at the front of the list there, who's great at helping me pull back from that. I pray about this constantly. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly focused on building things into my calendar that help me not go into the unhealthy place where workaholics go. Yeah, the book does deal a lot with that topic, but I think the reader will find so many examples that probably will resonate with them in their lives. At least that's my hope.
0: Yeah, I think it does. So, <laughs> I think it will. That's why I wanted to have you all to talk about it. So thank you. Folks, we're here with Randy Hain. Randy is the author of Being Fully Present. Uh, And the subtitle, uh, which I love, is True Stories of Epiphanies and Powerful Lessons from Everyday Life. How do you know when you have the right balance?
1: I think I've come to believe that balance is a myth. I'm not sure we can ever get to pure 50-50 balance. But I do think we can do a couple of things. I think we can focus on an integrated life where your priorities are straight and you've got, I will tell you, in my own life, I can only speak for myself – It's God, family, health, relationships, and work. Notice that work is number five on Mm -hmm. the list. Mm -hmm. But you know what? My work thrives and is well-served because I take care of the other priorities first. Mm. So for me, it's not about an equal allotment of time throughout the day. It's focusing on, have I planned those other priorities first? Mm -hmm. So if you were to look at my calendar, you would see that all those priorities are actually scheduled, taken care of. But you know what? My business thrives, my clients are happy because when I do show up, I give them my absolute best. Mm. Now, 15 years ago, they were probably getting a more stretched version of me. Again, I can't really speak to balance because I'm not sure I believe that it exists. But I do believe you've got your priorities straight, you're integrating your work and, and life and faith and all those things that matter to you. I think that it produces a healthier version of you. And I think that this book is one of the things, one of the tools that can help you on that journey.
0: So you talk about the, in the conclusion, you're talking about mining for gold. Mm -hmm. Let's explain that.
1: I believe, and this is one of the things that probably is a big reason why this book is resonating with people is I think every encounter, it can be with my younger son in a five-minute text exchange when he's over in Birmingham and I'm here. Mm -hmm. It could be with someone I meet in the elevator. It could be an hour with John Ray. I find that every situation, every conversation yields something of value, everything. I learn something if I'm really focused on it from everybody. Mm. So I, I go into every conversation, every moment of my day thinking about, Where can I extract value? Where can I learn something? One of the reasons I journal is I write down things that maybe I'm starting to see value and I want to go back and reflect on it later. Mm. But I think, and this is a great sort of human sort of maxim, shouldn't we all engage with each other, hoping to derive great value from the exchange? Mm -hmm. And I think that's another reason why we all need to spend more time with each other not uh, virtually, but with each other, there's nothing to, nothing's ever going to replace a cup of coffee, a meal and a hug and a handshake. So I find in those moments, I just get so much value. I call it mining for gold.
0: And there's a, what I find quite beautiful expectation in that, that you expect to find that in every encounter that you meet. And just that mindset alone, I think is quite
1: refreshing. One of the things that fuels it is I'm a high functioning introvert. So I love people, but I can tell you by five in the afternoon, I'm done with Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that fuels me and gets me excited about engaging with others is the chance, the slight chance that I am going to get something that will change my perspective, teach me something or rock my world. And that's one of the things that gets my introverted side of my brain excited about engaging with people.
0: Mm. Very nice. Lots of stories in here, past and present, or relatively present. Talk about. Give me your favorite.
1: My favorite is the last story of the book, and I, and I'm going to share it with uh, the reader, with your listeners, because it's just it's a fun story, a beautiful story. Earlier this summer, I was having dinner with my older son Alex, and we were at a restaurant in Roswell, and just he and I were chit chatting, just having a conversation. And I noticed an older gentleman sat next to us at an angle. And when you picture this man's face, I want you to think about Robert Frost, the poet in his later years. That's who he looked like. Mm. So he sits down and he's by himself. And I'm talking to Alex and out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that his food arrived along with a glass of wine. And I'm talking to Alex. And then again, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that he raised his glass with a trembling hand. And he set a toast, a silent toast to the empty seat in front of him. And it just, it was really one of those moments. I was the only one in the restaurant that probably noticed it, but mm. it really hit me. So I'm just thinking about it and, I, and I'm trying to you know, be attentive to Alex and I'm trying to think about what I just saw. And our server came over and I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I said, can you tell me anything about this gentleman sitting across from us? I'm just curious. Do you know him? And she had a wealth of insight. She said he and his wife used to come here for many years. And I heard, but I'm not sure that she passed away. He Mm. just started coming back to the restaurant Mm. about three weeks ago. And I didn't expect to get that insight, but I just was sitting there thinking about what it must've been like for him to lose probably his spouse of many years, how sad it was for him and how, touching it was to see him honor his wife who had passed away. Yeah. So the check came and I also asked for his check anonymously. And I just said, I wrote a little note on it and I said, from one of your Roswell neighbors, I just wanted to extend an act of kindness and I hope you have a great evening and enjoy your meal. And I didn't do that to make myself feel better. I wanted just to let this man know in some small way, he'll never see me again. I'll never see him again probably. But I wanted him to know how much he impacted me. Mm. I wanted him to feel a little less lonely mm-hmm. on a, on an evening. And, and I just wanted to do something for him. And on the way out and driving home, I was just thinking about that loss, human loss, is a part of the human experience. Our journey inevitably leads to that outcome. And I wonder how many people that we need to – Probably raise a silent toast to over dinner tonight. Mm. I like this gentleman who touched me so much. So the ti- the uh, chapter of the title the chapter uh, is titled "A Silent Toast to an Empty Seat," and it's a quick read, but it's probably one of the most powerful stories in the book.
0: Yes, it's it, and certainly powerful in the telling. Yeah, that the and and what you did was and which is a lesson for all of us is just create a little space for people to breathe. Mm-hmm. Right, that we. It, that, and it wasn't about you because this person will never know what you did, right? But you created a little space for someone to breathe, and that has ramifications down the road that you can never know, but that are powerful nonetheless.
1: And I can tell you that is a chapter that people have really resonated with because every person everybody's experienced loss. Right. But just this idea of tonight, tomorrow night, Thanksgiving's a great time to do it. Yep. Raise your toast uh, and salute someone that's not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll raise one tonight for my mother, Sandy, mm-hmm. who passed away.
0: Mm-hmm. Great words from Randy Hain. Randy is the author of Being Fully Present: True Stories of Epiphanies and Powerful Lessons from Everyday life. Randy, where can folks find the book?
1: The book is readily available on Amazon, paperback, hardcover, ebook, and there'll be an audible version early next year.
0: You've got such a great voice. That would be a great version to get. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and the format works for it too, because it, you don't have to have a very long drive in the car to tackle a chapter. So
1: it's a, it, some people, I don't know what they think of it, but my voice is always like, this is my calm voice. It's how I always talk. Unless I'm frustrated that. trying to get the Duomo. <laughs> That's
0: right. That's right. If you see Randy at four in Florence at five o'clock, run, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Randy Hayde, thanks so much for coming in and, and talking to us about the book. We appreciate you and the great work you do.
1: John, thank you as always. I'm grateful.
0: Thank you. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder, if you've got some frustrations over your back office, I've got a, a, a group of angels that will fly in and get that work done, and they f- will fly out and give you joy back in your life as a small business owner. Those angels come from office angels, and they have a whole team tackle administrative tasks, bookkeeping, marketing, presentations, quite a list of uh, capabilities that they have. I use them for, in my business, and I couldn't work without them, which is why I endorse them. So give them a call at 678-528-0500. Tell them I sent you. If you're shy, go to officeangels.us and check them out. But I just encourage you to give them a call, explain what your problem is, and see how they can help. You'll be glad you did. And folks, just a quick reminder, if you're a small solo or small firm professional services provider, I've got a book coming out that might be for you. If you're having trouble with your business development, your pricing, the book's called The Generosity Mindset Method for Business Success. Raise your confidence, your value, and your prices. This book is will be available mid-December, 2023. So if you're listening to this show after that, it's out. Check it out. If you want more information, go to the generositymindset.com to earn more. And I want to thank you, our listener. We're, this is show number 718, I think, something like that, for North Fulton Business Radio. And we've only gotten this far because you continue to support us in the way you do. And I'm grateful to you for that. You, one of the things that you do always is you share the show and I've heard this from listeners and thank you for that. You share the show when you have someone who's been on the show, whose message you really like, maybe their product or service, you really, uh, you think somebody else could use it or somebody like Randy has written a terrific book and you think somebody else needs to hear about that book. You've shared the show. Continue to do that, please. That's how we celebrate great business leaders in our community like Randy and others that we've had on the show, and you help us fulfill our mission to be the voice of business in the North Fulton region. So for my guest, Randy Hain, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.